Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome friends to another episode of Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia. I'm the host and I am here today with our No Heart Left Behind's founder, uh, lead belief therapist and my mom, Abby Shields, once again, hanging out in the closet. <laughs> I love hanging out in the closet. I'm glad to be here. Yep. Um, so we have just completed um, the first part of our four-part series on teens and tweens. And we spent a lot of time talking about the familiar stranger and those years leading up to the dreadful... Teenage years. Well, we're, we're going to dispel that myth. The teenage years can be very exciting. I'm excited to talk about this today. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where I want to start is just the fact that teenage years get a bad rap. Like, I mean, whenever it's like, oh, no, we have a teenager in our house and... Um, yeah, it's we we almost make it doom and gloom. Yes, like it's something we got to get through in yes. order to be able to have life again, and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you first to start off. Why do you think the teenage years get such a bad rap? Well, I I think first of all, and there's so many reasons. Um, I think first of all, the parents don't know what's going on in the heart of their teenager because they're changing. There's all these changes, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, but um, they become sullen or uncommunicative, and um, ultimately, the parents don't know what to do with them. They feel lost. The, the teenager is um, they take risks that the parents don't want them to take, and. Um, they can become very critical of parents. It's almost like an inward fight between the parent and the child. And I think that stems from that the child, the teenager has a fear of being controlled and the parent has a fear of losing control. So it's that adjustment and transition of moving from this child who was so dependent on you that through these ages, they're beginning to not be dependent on you and almost become very critical of you. Yeah. I feel like that can be challenging for parents because, I mean, I don't have teenagers yet. I mean, my oldest, we're, we're right on the cusp. <laughs> um, but you just realize that you do not have control. No, you don't. <laughs> that you have influence and you do your best to influence them. Um, but, you know, they're really 
growing into individuals that you want them to start making more and more decisions on their own. But that is such a, <laughs> it's such a scary process and you take it back a lot of times. Well, I, I think we also awfulize it where we blow it way out of proportion. And really um, in looking at statistics, only about 10% of all teenagers are struggle with some of the serious ones with drug addiction, uh, ending up in jail, making poor choices. Um, that's why the preteen time is such an important time to be able to let go gradually and give your teenager the confidence that they need to be able to move out. Because it's scary. It's not only scary for us, it's scary for the kids as yeah. well. You know, I oftentimes find that parents and teenagers, especially seniors, I have a lot of parents and teenagers coming into my office because they're fighting. They And it always happens in the senior year. And that has to do with the teenager is getting ready to leave the nest. And so it's easier to leave the nest if it is uncomfortable rather than comfortable. Yeah. And so they create, it kind of happens naturally. So we know... You know, the, the reputation of the teenage years being so difficult. I mean, everybody kind of knows about that. But I, th I really feel like if you apply some principles that we're going to talk about today, there really are good sides and the teenage years can be an enjoyable season of life. So what what's enjoyable about <laughs> I loved when you and Stephen were in your teenage years. Um, one of the things that I noticed for me was that you're, and then what I would suggest for parents that are out there is to relax and have fun. One, know that God is in control of your child, that you're not, that he's given these children to you to guide and direct and so to be able to sit back, relax, and enjoy it, what are some of the things that are fun about the kids, about teenagers? And one of the things that I loved was that I was able to begin to relate to you uh, as an adult or mm -hmm. a young adult because that's what you're moving towards. And so we were able to have discussions and talk about things and to be able to, for me, just to listen to your heart and pour out your problems and concerns and I all I did was listen I didn't try to fix it um, because I wanted you to learn how to fix it so that's one thing and then um, I find the teens are full of high energy they're constantly moving they're constantly um, moving from spot to spot they're passionate um, one of the things that I love is their idealism you know where they have they get caught up in a cause and fight fight vehemently for that cause, whatever that would be, um, pets, um, the poor, mm. whatever. Yeah. And so um, also uh, the creativity of a teenager coming through and thinking up ways to um, handle their problems on their own. And I love that. But most of all, for me, I think the thing that was I, I was able to step back and watch was the amazement and the growth of you, watching you go from a little girl to a preteen into a teenager and then into a woman at the age of 18 that really was able to move away. I mean, shoot, you moved to Boston College. Yes. For college, and that was kind of crazy. That was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so I, listening to you, it just makes me think of the role 
of a parent that, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, the heart of parenting, just that what our job as parents actually is, is to essentially work ourselves out of a job. That's right. And I feel like the teenage years is really the opportunity to one, see, see the fruit of that labor, right? Because I mean, you have spent the past, you know, 13, 15, 17 years, depending on, you know, how old your teenager is pouring into them and, you know, trying to instill in them, you know, virtues and uh, the love of the Lord and all of those things and to just kind of see where they go with it um, and see the fruit of your labor. And then also to be able to see like, okay, hey, we need to we need to continue to focus here and maybe improve, you know, adjust here. Um, so I feel like that's an enjoyable time to to watch, a thing to, to see. And Right. If you remember, and for those of you who did not listen to The Familiar Stranger, that is such an important part of preparing for the teenage years because... You have a responsibility to your child during that age period from about 8 to 12, 13. You have a responsibility to them to teach them how to become responsible for themselves. And then the teenage years from 14 to 19, that's when you allow them to practice what you taught. But if you haven't taught them that, too many parents make that mistake about well, just expecting their child when they, they'll wake up when they're 17 and they know how to do their laundry, make their lunch, yeah. all of that. And that's so not true. You've got to allow them to learn that. And the teenage years are where they practice what you taught them from 8 to 13. Yeah, I can think of where we are with my oldest right now. I mean, he's in seventh, uh, he's in seventh grade and he's going into... I mean, it's just taken a really big step up in terms of what he has to manage and responsibility. And, you know, quite honestly, like it's been, <laughs> it has been a struggle. Um, just mostly because I get frustrated because it's like he forgets stuff and he's not organized and all of these things. But it's funny because like your voice is in the back of my head just you know, reminding me that, well, he doesn't know how to do this because one, he hasn't been taught. And two, you know, this is new for him. And really being able to have that perspective just reminds me that this is what this is about. Like if I want him to be responsible and organized and be able to be a functioning adult when he's 17, 18, about to leave the house, I need to put my anger and frustration aside and teach him and work with him and encourage him and give him methods and ways. And that's, and let him fail. And let him fail. Yes, that's, that's very a hard, hard one to... for you. You, you, you. you border on helicopter mom a little bit. The point is, is that this, these are the years to allow them to practice what you have taught them. And then they'll also see, oh, hey, maybe I haven't taught them this we need to work on this right uh, 
you mentioned the parenting series, and I think one of the major principles of the parenting series was this idea of understanding the heart of your child, right. understanding what's going on inside of them socially, emotionally, spiritually, you know, in a way that kind of fosters compassion for your child. And I feel like these elements really... Um, come into play in the teenage years because I mean science neurologically has shown that basically their brain is going through like a complete overhaul I mean we don't have time to go into all no. of the neurological changes that are happening in the brain but just to sum it up I mean their brain is being completely overhauled it's still developing all of that so so I find that the the development of your teenager and their heart and um, just their, their being, for us to understand that at no other time in your child's life, other than the first year, because the first year there's an awful lot of growth that takes place. They go from laying in your lap to walking. And at no other time in your child's life other than the first year that they were born, there is so much growth going on. And it's taking place rapidly. And it's also in not just one area of development, but in four areas of development. So I want to take a look at, at each of those and talk about them. So first I want to talk about the physical development of your child during the teenage years. Teens are experiencing puberty, and I don't know about you, but puberty was hell on earth for me. I had no clue what was going on. And so, parents, it's really important that you let your children know ahead of time what is going to be happening in their bodies and not just let it go by chance because it will cause them some stress, uh, lack of understanding, fear, at least it did for me because I knew nothing about nothing. Yeah. And there's a lot of children that are like that. So I know that's hard to talk about with your teens, but I would encourage you to do that in preteen um, so that they're ready for and look forward to the changes because puberty can be a wonderful thing if they are prepared for it, you know. And then the, the next part of the physical would be the sexual maturity. And the sexual maturity is usually reached about two, year, two or three years after the onset of the first physical changes. Now, the difference between girls and guys is that girls tend to enter puberty um, between the ages of 10 and 14, which is usually two to three years ahead of the boys. Mm -hmm. just depends on the, what God has planned for your child in that area. But yeah, the physical changes can can um, take them by surprise if they're not prepared for that. Yeah, because they're so big. I mean, the hormones are changing, all of these things, and I just feel like it's such an important time to have open communication, which we will talk about. Yeah, at another time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the next one would be socially, and I think out of all of these, I think the social part is the biggest part that a parent can struggle with because they, the parent, are being replaced with the friend group because that adolescent peer group becomes very important and it serves many important functions. So what kind of functions does a peer group 
you know, have in terms of development for a teenager? Well, I think that the biggest thing is that it helps your teen move from dependence on you to full independence and it's transitional to go from, it's a safe place for them to be able to leave the presence and the safety of the home and begin to develop that peer group that becomes their all in all. I mean, yeah. what the what the group says is usually what they do. That's why it's really important as a parent to be aware of what your the peer group is that your child is hanging out with and to make sure that it's similar, but give them the opportunity to make the decision whether to leave the peer group or not. But the peer group also socially can be um, a place of heartache where you want to be part of a group and you're not popular enough or you're not pretty enough. And so that can cause some emotional issues that need to be addressed. But so socially, the peer group helps define your child. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit emotionally um, what's going on. Because one thing I've noticed is just the big emotions of my child. Like just the... Uh, like very big reaction to like what seems like a very minute issue. Um, I think so. I think on the girl side, I know nothing about girls, but to <laughs> me, it's like the, the girl drama really picks, you know, picks up here. And again, these little things become huge in their eyes and their emotions become really big so what's emotionally what is going on what is going on because i need to know <laughs> well um oh golly there's just so much i i think the biggest problem socially and which leads to the emotional side is that they get their identity from what their peer group thinks of them. Mm. And identity at this age is all, it's not caught up in who they are in Christ. I wish it were, but the world has such a pull on them in the group that if the if the if somebody makes fun of them about their hair, then they're all worried about their hair. And, then, and so I think identi identity is a huge thing for that. Um, I, th I think another reason you have all of these emotions is that, like you said earlier, the hormones. The hormones are just all over the place. And one minute they're fine, and then the next minute you can look at them cross-eyed and they start crying. All right? Because they don't feel that they are... They don't feel that they're accepted or they're secure. They're, they're, I think their significance comes from the group as as well and that if they don't feel those things then they're less than they're not enough they don't have an identity they're worthless they're they can't do anything right it's all of those emotions that become their truth instead of just letting the emotion be the emotion and then your job as a parent is to listen not try to fix it but more just be the sounding board and suggest then, well, here's what I hear you saying, and repeat back to them so that they can maybe hear that what they're saying is really not all that true. Yeah, and I think you brought up a good point. You know, when we're talking about understanding the heart of the child, I think that what that does as parents is, is allows us 
um, one, to have compassion for our kids, but two, not to take everything so personally, like the big emotions so personally, or um, try to fix it necessarily. Kind of like what you said, it's just more about listening and empathizing because we, you know, and then the other thing I feel like we do sometimes as parents is when they have these big emotions, we, we kind of belittle it or minimize it like, oh, it's not that big of a deal or whatever. But to them at this stage, it's huge. It's a big deal to them. Right. And so having the understanding of what's going on, you know, physically and emotionally, um, And even, you know, we'll get into it, even spiritually, just they're trying to, you know, they're in a a time where their faith is becoming their own. It's no longer their, you know, their parents' faith. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. That's the goal. That's a question I always ask the kids that come into the office is, is your faith your faith or is your faith your parents' faith? And the goal of the teenage years is to have them gravitate towards their faith being their faith. Yes. Question it and allowing them to have questions and for you to listen. And if they want you to give them some teaching, then offer that. Yeah. You know, and just space for the wrestling when it comes, you know, yeah, because there's so many paradoxes in a teenager's life. They're not children anymore, but they're not adults. And so they don't, you know, they, they just don't know what to do. I always say they don't know whether to poop or wind their walls. <laughs> <laughs> and I do think that brings a sense of compassion in terms of parents as opposed to frustration right. and anger. And because anger, like you always say, anger is the illusion that we have control right. and we don't. <laughs> we don't have control. But I love that word, compassion. Um, I think it's the one of the number one characteristics of Christ and of God. Um, in that compassion is an act of concern for the suffering of the other person. But too often, because our identity is often caused, caught up in what our child does and how yeah. they behave, and we worry about what people are going to think, raise your child, your teenager, go through the teenage years for what God thinks, because everybody is going to have an opinion or a suggestion. And that's why I always point people back to the word for parenting. Um, one particular scripture that I think is so important, especially in the, with this emotional stage is Philippians 4, 8, where you focus on what's pure and lovely and admirable about your child and don't focus on the things they do wrong. Focus on the 999 things they do right. But we as parents and as human beings, we have a tendency to make more of a deal about the things they're doing wrong. And then to lift them up and tell them how proud you are of them. And, and then asking those same questions that I've taught before in the podcast is when they make mistakes, especially because their emotions are so high, they're going to make poor decisions based on their emotional state. And that's where you ask them what happened, what'd you learn, and what can you do different? Those are the three best questions to ask your teenager when they fall short. Yeah. I've been using those a lot with Jack lately, (laughs) like on the daily regular. So I feel like um, some of these issues and the challenges of raising teenagers sometimes can feel like so big and overwhelming. And again, as parents, sometimes you don't know which way is up that you can be like, Am I getting through? Does does parenting even matter in this stage of the game? You know, 
So what would you say to that, to that parent out there that's like, well, they're teenagers, they should, you know, they, they should know by now or figure it out. Like, does parenting even matter at this stage? I mean, I, I kind of feel like we've pointed to the fact that it does, but how does it matter? Right. I think parenting, especially during this time, is can be based on two basic principles. First one is bonding, and the other one is monitoring. That if you see your role as a parent to stay connected to your teenager, but then also to step back and mo- become the monitor rather than the, the person who controls them, okay? And so let's first of all take a look at bonding, okay? And I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, just being there for them, listening to their ideas, get off of your phone, put it down, put it down, put it down. Teenagers pick up on that. Or when they are asking to talk to you, stop whatever you're doing. If you're in the kitchen, stop cooking if you can and sit and and listen that's that's the biggest thing i think that they really want to know do i matter to you and do you care that's the biggest issue in bonding um allow them to pull away without making them feel guilty don't use shame yeah i feel like that's a really hard one because again you mentioned this earlier is that we're used to being kind of the center of their universe and now socially as they're branching out into peer groups and the the i guess the opinions of their peer groups become more important than the opinions, opinions of parents. of parents um you know it's it's hard to not take that personally that they don't want to <laughs> be with you they want to be with their parent groups and i mean there's balance there of course you want to still create family time opportunities yes. um but at the same time being okay with the fact that hey that if they're pulling away like that's good. That's what they're. You're supposed to launch them. That was. That's what God has called us to do as parents. Gradually is no. to launch no. them gradually into the world, right. into what God has created them to be. So, um, what you know? What else during uh, about, yeah, bonding. about bonding? Yeah. Um, Encourage positive peer relationships. In other words, allow them to spend the night at a friend's house that's safe. Um, Allow them to make decisions and that you know might not have a a great outcome, but you've got to allow them to have learning experiences and that's that's bonding. That's um, being able to be there for them when they fall down. Yeah, I think it's important to talk about here because when I when you say the word bonding, I think about you know building like having that relationship, solidifying uh, the relationship. But I think sometimes one of the pitfalls that we get into as parents is that we get just as concerned about being their friend as being their parent. So could you talk a little bit about just the the dangers of that or what is the balance in bonding with them but also you know um knowing that we're not here to be their friend, their friend all the time right that's a that's a great statement alicia um 
Too many parents want to be liked by their kids. It's because your own self-esteem is tied into what your child thinks of you. And so you want to be their friend and hang out with their friends. And um, that is not a healthy thing because what happens is you lose your position of authority uh, as their parent. I always said, I am the parent. You are still my child. Now, you're not a little child anymore, but final being final say so ends with me and i'm sorry you don't like me i'm sorry you're mad at me it's okay for your teenagers to be mad at you they will get over it and but that's where your job then as the parent is to go back and check in and say hey are we okay maybe to explain to them after they're not so angry um to explain to them why you made the decision and that they can talk to you about it and and if you feel that it's okay once you make a decision that and they they want to change that decision it's okay for you to change that decision but do it as a parent not as well I want to be your friend so that's the motive yeah I think that's an important um, and then you also mentioned monitoring what does monitoring look like in terms of a principle for um, parenting during the teenage years well, um, when I hear the word monitor, <laughs> what, what I automatically think of is being a hall monitor in school. <laughs> okay. Being a Karen. <laughs> and so, yes, it's monitoring doesn't mean that you stand outside in the hall and have your ruler and direct them to stand in line in a straight line and if they get out of line. To, but monitoring basically means not controlling, giving up your control. Let God be in control. And as I have said many times before in parenting, you don't have control. You have influence. That's the first thing. Influence your child with the life of Christ that is within you and just radiate him to your children so that they want to know the Jesus you know. I think that's the best way for your children to come to know Jesus is with you monitoring them with the word of God and the love of Christ. I mean, to me, that's huge. Another thing, and, and I recommend this highly, and I don't think enough families do this, and it's called have family meetings. That's where you can check in and everybody can be there present. You are not allowed to miss it. You put it on your calendar as a regular, just like you have a doctor's appointment, you have a family meeting. And this the family meeting is where you as the parent can begin to control the conversation, but then give your children opportunity. Like, what do you, to speak up, what do you like about your jobs? Um, you assign jobs, you assign responsibilities, you um, talk about any problems with their behavior with each other, or um, what, what, you know, giving high fives, hey, high five to Jack, he did his homework, and, and you, I recommend that at least twice a month and put it on your calendar. Monitoring is that type type of stuff. Sitting down at the dinner table. Dinner has just gotten pushed to the side. Everybody eats when they want to eat. You've got to, and I, I emphasize got to, have time for the family to sit down at the dinner table or the breakfast table or 
weekend's lunch table, whatever, but making sure that at least two to three times a week you sit down as a family so that the teenager knows that there is a safe place for them to be. And that because the world, when you send them out in the morning to school, it's a crazy world out there. And so these family meetings, the things that we've talked about are so important for them to know that they have a safe place to come home to, that they're not going to get screamed and yelled at. Um, you know, that was an issue that I did. I was a screamer. I did not do a good job communicating to my kids when they were younger. Thank you, Jesus. I learned something different. But real important to make the culture of your home safe for them. And having those family meetings and dinners, et cetera, they know that the family is there for them. Yeah. So I imagine now having uh, listened to the conversation, there's parents out there in the throes of, you know, raising teenagers, um, maybe feeling a little discouraged, like they, quote unquote, haven't been doing it right, <laughs> or just feeling like that the the situation with their teenager is hopeless what would you what would be some starting points or some encouragements that you could leave that parent that's sitting there listening to this feeling like their teenager is too far gone a teenager is never too far gone gone for god to pick up and put the pieces back together again i think my family is an example of that um with the dysfunction in our family raising my children, um, Alicia and Stephen should not be as quote unquote normal as they are because <laughs> I was a pretty abusive mama. Um, not necessarily physically, but I uh, had my own issues and I pushed that onto them. So um, God ultimately can, if he can heal our family, he can heal any family. And it's not, you are not too far gone. The second thing is remember, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. There is, may I repeat that, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. <laughs> there was only one perfect person and they hung him on the cross. And that's not any of us. So the third thing I would say is be gentle with yourself. If you find that you're, you want to change something, then get seek some counsel. We have great counselors in our ministry. I think we're up to five counselors now, five or six. And so... Um, we have plenty of, of counselors that are here to walk alongside of you and help you. Um, and and I guess the last thing would, would be God has a plan for you and your family and your children. And the struggles are part of their story. And it's allowing us to know or allowing yourself to know that God can heal and put broken pieces back together again and to, to believe that. And then just to seek God in your family and make him part of your part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this has been just a great um, foundational conversation yeah. about understanding just all of the big things that are going on inside yeah. of teenagers. And, you know, next week we're going to get into conflict and communication, two things that are very important to just maybe have some tools in your tool belt, how to navigate through those things, because communication and conflict are definitely right. um, something that we have to navigate. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And I, I would say, finally, Galatians 6, 9 says, 
May you not get tired of doing what is right. Okay, don't get, don't give up, parents. Uh, don't give up on your kids, and but also don't give in on them either. Okay, because to give up on them, they feel they feel discounted and worthless. But if you give in, then they're going to be spoiled. The key word there is is balance. But it says, do not get discouraged. Or do not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, you will reap a harvest of blessings if you don't get discouraged and give up. So don't give up. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.